Have you ever walked away from something without knowing where you are headed next? Today, we're going to take a look at a bedtime story, an ancient story, and what they have to do with your story, and find out what we should do when we find ourselves wondering what our next move should be. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, a river, a deep, cold river. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh no, we've got to go through it. All the way through this story, of course, this family do have the choice to go home. They could abandon their bear hunt and turn back. They haven't really got to go through it. They could avoid the river, avoid the mission, but only if they abandoned their quest. The reason that I find this bear hunt story and the story we're going to talk about today so compelling is because it's still true today that anybody who wants to get to a place they've never been before and discover something new is going to have to face some challenges, right? And those challenges will more than likely at times make them want to turn back or try to skip past the difficulty or fast forward to the destination. But if we want to get to somewhere new, We've got to go through it. I believe that God has new places he wants to take you. Maybe not geographically, but in terms of your faith and confidence in him and his mission for you. He's got a bear hunt level quest to lead you on, but it's not gonna be an easy journey. And in this whole series, we want to equip you for the things you're going to have to go through, especially if you're a person of faith. But even if you're not, if you've got plans and ambitions and dreams for your future, you're going to need equipping to make it through some challenging environments. And this series will help you to do that too. In this video today, we're gonna to talk about the challenge of moving through a period of transition. A transition period is where you've started to edge away from what was, and you're starting to move towards what could be or what will be next but you're not in either place, you're in the space between. Whatever it is, all of us must go through a period of time where we're leaving behind things as they used to be and we're moving towards something new. Now a good transition will set you up for your future, but a mishandled transition can knock you off course and leave you feeling adrift or send you running back in the direction you came from. There's an ancient family we're gonna learn from about what makes a good transition a good one and what threatens to send us off course. But this family we're gonna look at today was a little bigger than two parents, a few kids and a dog like in the bear hunt story. This family was made up of descendants of a man called Jacob, nicknamed Israel. That's gonna be important for later. By the time the story we're gonna talk about today takes place, Thousands of people could trace their family history back to this one man, Jacob, and his 12 sons. This group of descendants, this ginormous family, had become big enough to be a people, a nation even. But despite their size, they didn't have nation status. They had problems. The entire people, called the Hebrews, had been enslaved and owned by the nation of Egypt, by the Pharaoh, for hundreds of years. 400 years, in fact. Their identity was as slaves. Whilst their numbers grew, their hope decreased. But all was not lost. The God of their ancestor Jacob had not forgotten them, 
had not abandoned them and had a plan for them and for their future. But first, he needed to get them out of Pharaoh's grip. So God sends Moses as his messenger to Pharaoh to demand the release of the people. I'm fast forwarding quite a bit here. Go and watch the Prince of Egypt to catch up. But eventually Pharaoh relents and after 400 years in slavery, Moses leads the Hebrews out of Egypt. They are free at last. God tells the Hebrews through Moses that he's got a plan to establish them as a nation in a land of their own. So God has said to the people, this is where you're trying to get. This is what's over the other side. This is where I want to take you. Come on, Hebrews. We're going on a bear hunt. But uh-oh, there's a new problem. How do you turn a group of people who have always been a free workforce into a nation? How do they get from where they used to be to where they want to be next? It's one thing to leave something behind. It's another thing to be ready for where you're going next, right? The Hebrews needed to go through a period of transition. It's not as simple as taking them out of Egypt and putting them into a new land and saying, there you go, now you're a free nation. There's a lot that needs to happen, right, to get them from point A to point B. And it's this transition between those two points that would be the making or the breaking of them. Now, if you're the Hebrew people at this point, you probably want to find the fastest and simplest route to get to the land God said he was bringing you to. I mean, all of us want that, don't we? When we find ourselves edging into a transition period, we want the fastest route out of the uncertainty, out of the mystery, into the new thing. The physical landscape that the Hebrews needed to move through in order to get from where they were at a place called Mount Sinai as they came out of Egypt to the new land God had told them would be theirs was an 11 day journey. Now I imagine that some of them are gearing up thinking, come on, we could probably make it in 10. Do you know how long it took the Hebrews to get to their final destination and enter the promised land? 40 years. Just let that sink in. 40 years for an 11 day journey. Why did it take that long? Did their sat nav break? What on earth happened there? Well, God actually led them through a transition period, literally into a wilderness for 40 years because they needed a transition in order to discover something that would be essential for their future success in the promised land. More on that in a moment. Now, there are two things that happen to us in transition which threaten to knock us off course, but which we are especially vulnerable to in periods of transition. Firstly, we become vulnerable to discouragement because we haven't yet arrived at our new place. I remember leaving university and job hunting and finding myself in the in-between working at a rubbish retail job and trying to figure out what to do and where to go next. And I found myself beginning to believe all sorts of things that threatened to knock me off track, like that the last few years of university were a waste, or that I hadn't amounted to anything and wouldn't amount to anything, or that I was stuck where I was for good. For the Hebrews, they became discouraged in the wilderness. They didn't expect to find themselves there for so long. So they began to complain about their daily living conditions, that they didn't have enough food, that they didn't have enough water, that they were fed up with this seemingly endless journey. 
They began to start talking as if God had rescued them from Egypt, only to leave them to starve to death in the desert. They stopped trusting that God was taking them anywhere good. The second thing that happens in transition is that we become very vulnerable to distraction. When you leave behind whatever used to be the case in your life and start moving in another direction, suddenly the boundaries and the structure that used to be around your life come off, right? And you can fall in love with this newfound flexibility and freedom, so much so that you get distracted from where you really want to go. Let's say you leave a job because you were stressed and feeling a bit soul crushed. You intend to find some work that feels more meaningful and has a slightly more sustainable pace. But during your unemployment, you find the joy of slobbing out on the sofa and sleeping in, which you haven't been able to experience for years, and your motivation to find that new thing drops. It's gone. We get distracted in transitions into laziness and passivity and wallowing and self-indulgence. We let ourselves and our lives drift. For the Hebrews, they get distracted in the wilderness. They're finally free from Egyptian rulers, so they start capitalizing on being able to do whatever they want. One day, whilst they're waiting for Moses to bring them new instructions from God, they get fidgety and they make an idol like the ones that they used to build for the Egyptians to worship for themselves. Why? Well, because they've lost their focus. They get distracted and they drift backwards. Transition periods make us vulnerable. We don't have the protections and the security and the stability that other periods of life provide. It's like leaving one edge of a riverbank and wading into the flowing water, but not yet being over the other side. The middle of the river is wobbly and a precarious place. We need something to keep us firm in the transition and keep us fixed on where we're ultimately going. There is in fact one thing that does. It's the thing God eventually gives the Hebrews in the wilderness, a calling. What is a calling? That word gets thrown around a bit. A calling is a divine, as in it comes from God, a divine purpose statement. It's called a calling because it's something that originates from outside of us, but should resonate within us if we pay attention to it. A calling is not the same as a destination. God has a destination in mind for the Hebrews about where they will head next, the promised land. But their calling is distinct from that. It's bigger. It doesn't rely on them arriving at a certain place. It points forwards, but it starts immediately. It can be fulfilled immediately. And it comes to the Hebrews at the edge of the wilderness. So here's the calling of the Hebrew people. It's one of the most significant passages in the Old Testament. That is the scriptures before Jesus. It starts with who is being addressed and who is speaking. It begins like this. You can read it in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. Up until this point, they've been the Hebrews, right? But now they're given this new name and it's the name of their ancestor. Do you remember Jacob who was Israel? Israel meaning the ones who wrestle 
with God. It seems significant that they're now being defined according to where they stand in relation to God, rather than where they stand in relation to another nation. So hear, O Israel, listen up and pay attention, Israel, the ones who wrestle with God. Listen and pay attention to the Lord, your God. Not any God, your God, the God who has sided with you and identified himself with you. The Lord your God, the Lord alone. And here's the calling, their divine purpose statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. All your heart. The concept of heart and mind are interlinked in Hebrew. So it's like with all your heart is like where, where you put your attention and where you put your affection. With all your soul, your being, with who you are. With all your strength or all your effort, with all that you do, love the Lord your God with all of that. Before you are landowners, before you are a political entity, before any of that, more fundamental than any of that, this is your calling, O Israel. Now in Deuteronomy 6, it goes on to tell the people to set this in their sights all the time, from now until forever. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you know still today, Jewish people start and end their day with those words? This calling was set to define and govern how Israel should be and who they should become on a daily basis, whatever else was going on with them. And this calling persisted, whatever the circumstances. And this is the calling that Jesus would echo and extend out to the whole world beyond the nation of Israel hundreds of years later. Listen up, Jesus would say, I've got a calling for you. Love God and love others as God has demonstrated love to you. And I'll call you mine. In fact, you'll be children of God. Love God and love others as God has demonstrated his love for you. And I'll call you mine. I'll make you a child of God. That is a calling that you should resonate with, that should resonate with us right here, right now, because it's directed to us too. It still stands. I wonder if perhaps you have never realized or thought about the fact that there is a calling on your life, higher than anything else you ever have or ever will aim towards. Perhaps you think that you are not the sort of person who would be called. You are. That calling isn't dependent on you or who you are, whatever you've done. It is dependent on the one who does the calling and he's calling you to new levels of confidence in his divine purpose. It's the enduring nature of a calling that makes it an essential part of any transition period you go through. Knowing and committing to your calling guards you against discouragement and distraction in the in-between. It equips you to go through difficulty and challenge and waiting because you have a purpose in the middle of it. A commitment to your calling ensures that you can come through the other side of a transition. 
because a commitment to your calling will always move you in the direction of where you should be headed. It will keep your priorities aligned. It will keep your confidence up. It will keep you true to who you are created to be and what you are here on this earth to do. What would change if you understood that today? Whether you're in a transition or out of it, your task, your highest calling today is to love God with all your heart and your soul and your strength and to demonstrate his love for others, to show others the love that God has demonstrated to you. And here is the best news of all. God comes alongside you to enable you to live it out. These words were spoken to the Israelite nation at a horrific point in their history, many years after their wilderness experience, from the God who would not abandon them and would not stop calling them. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you walk through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. A commitment to your calling means a commitment to place your trust into the one who does the calling. And that's a pretty safe place to be. You can start to commit to this calling right now, today. And I've got four ways for you to do it, which I've stolen from Google's advice on how to carry out a safe river crossing. But I actually think these are four things you and I need to commit ourselves to in order to stay true to what God calls us towards, especially through a transition period. Here they are. Number one, maintain two points of contact with the river bottom at all times. In other words, you've got to stay connected to what keeps you grounded. God literally told the Israelites to write their calling on the door frames of their houses to make it a tangible and a physical reminder every time they went out, every time they came home. You and I need ways of staying grounded in our calling day in, day out. This could be something like a daily habit that your phone reminds you to do each day. You don't need to write it on your doorframe. Maybe like a routine which doesn't change even as your circumstances do. Stay connected to what keeps you grounded. Number two, keep your eyes on the far shore. And then it adds, you may become dizzy if you look down at the swirling water. In other words, look ahead, not down. Set your eyes on your calling to move towards loving God and loving others more and deeper each day, rather than your swirling circumstances. Number three, cross as a group when the water is especially swift or deep. In other words, don't go it alone. Invite other people into your journey. Let them in on the transition you're walking through and ask them to help you to commit to God's call on your life in the in-between. Number four, finally, and I love this one. Never overcommit yourself to one route. We can get caught up in thinking that there's one path we've got to follow to stay on track with God and stay on track with our purpose. And we can feel like failures when we drift from that or when it doesn't work out. But if you're loving God and loving others, relax. You are moving in the right direction and God can always bring you back to where he needs you to be if you are committed to that call. 
As Israel learned, whatever you have to go through, there's a God who will come wading through it with you. The next time you find yourself faced with a period of transition and thinking, oh no, there's no way over, there's no way under, I've got to go through it. God has a way for you to do it. He's got a calling for you in the middle of it. And a commitment to that calling will keep you firm as the waters rush around your feet. Be sure to join in in the next video as we continue on the bear hunt, discover what happened next in the story of Israel and how that gives us hope for something nobody enjoys walking through. Let's go.